All right, team, good afternoon uh, for these East Coasters. I think it is still technically morning out in Washington State. Scott, um, Micah, welcome back to the land of humidity um, and to some of the East Coast mountains. You, you checked your, your Rockies for the Smokies, so I think you're in Carolina today. But I look forward to, to tackling forgiveness with you guys. Uh, welcome to all the team that's joining all across the, the, the world here. Um, with the chat, let's go ahead and get it cranked up. I'd love to hear and love to see from everybody in chat about where people are dialing in. Today, we had a lady dial in from Mozambique from the, the ladies session. So uh, super impressed that we have people from all over the world. But let's see, uh, we have one gentleman already from Jacksonville, Florida. He did not announce that, but I just know who it is. So Bart blazing in from Belgium, of course. Uh, just incredible. So oh, hungry, so wonderful, even further east in Europe than, than uh, Belgium. Got to love it. So all over the, the country as well. I'm seeing Delaware, Carolina. In that vein, Lord, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for this opportunity to meet with men all over the world and talk about what you've done in our lives. And God, we never want to minimize the pain that we get drugged through, but we want to glorify the name where you heal us. You know, you only bring us through that pain because you love us and you want to heal us, God. And so thank you so much for being the, the, the great healer. Uh, God, I thank you for these men. I thank you for Scott and for Micah that are here to, to, to work through a lot of the yuck involved with that healing. Uh, but Lord, we point to you as a senior healer. Your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, men, if you remember last week or last month, we talked extensively about forgiveness. We really focused a lot of the forgiveness on what it looks like in that marital relationship. And we're going to cover a little bit more ground there as well. But the vast majority of our meeting today is going to be about forgiveness um, on your end. You know, can you, how do you forgive yourself? Can you, how do you forgive the others that have hurt you in the past? And then eventually as you go through recovery, you're going to recognize, oh my goodness, there's actually a need for me to forgive my significant other. And sometimes that can be difficult to swallow because she's done an awful lot of forgiving on your end. Uh, trust me. And so... I just can't wait to tackle this. I have two intellectual heavyweights with me today, both learned guys in terms of uh, either organizational psychology, one-on-one -on -one psychology. Um, they they kind of make me feel a little bit like a peon here between the ears, but, man, but, but I love them for that. So, Micah, welcome. Hey, Lamar. Thanks for having me, man. It's great to be back. Um, it, it's truly, I'm the one that's honored and blessed to be here. I, I appreciate this opportunity to, to sit with you two. And with everybody on this call, man, I, I know a couple of them personally. We've had some interaction, um, and and the, you know the honor is mine. It's, it's it's truly a blessing to to interact and be part of something like this with you guys. Amen, man. Thanks for being here, chaps. Scott, so good to see you again. It's been a couple months, but honored to have you back, my friend. Thanks, Lamar. It's good to be with you. Chaps, catch us up a little bit on some of the stuff that you have going on. I know you do a first and third uh, Friday of the month. You do some community relations stuff. Just what is some of that and, and where in the country is that? And, and is it is it an open thing? Is it a closed thing? Well, we, we reach out to military members and it's usually the carriers that are in the shipyard and they, they can't get away. Um, so we bring them out and take them up into the woods and we're trying to build a Frisbee golf course. But what's neat about that is that um, there's, there's really hard ground up there and lots of berry bushes. We're, you know, in the Pacific Northwest and it, you know, it talks about the condition of the heart, you know, and so if you have hard packed, you know, if you have a hard packed heart, 
you know, God's word's not going to get into it. If it's rocky, you know, um, it's, it's not going to happen. And then the berry vines, the thorns that choke out any other growth. And so I think the, the fertile soil that we're trying to develop right now, Home Depot actually gave us 835 bags of steer manure. Um, but it was, I think it was, it doesn't stink it, anyways, but that's supposed to make the ground fertile. So that if we look at the, the things that we go through um, and I won't spell it out, but it's, it's shipped high in transit. Um, and that's not really a term, but you know, the things that we have can become fertile ground for God's word to grow. And I think that's, that's where we're going with this is, is looking at that fertile broken heart. You know, God loves a, a broken and contrite heart and that's where he's going to plant his word. And that's where forgiveness is going to grow. My goodness, man, that, that dovetails so nicely with what, what's going on here at Soul Refiner. As we go into some of these newer studies, you're going to hear a lot about the Beatitudes. And I think a lot of people get that notion of the Beatitudes that this category of people is blessed and this category of people is blessed. And I think it's what God is actually saying to us, like, no, no, no. when you take me on and you, and you surrender your life over to me, this is what you become. This is what you are made into. You are meek. You are poor in spirit. <laughs> you know, you are broken, beaten, damned. And, and that's what I love about it, um, it that, that the Lord has to have that fertile ground for us. And so that is what we're going to talk about a lot today, about forgiveness. And, and, and if, if I could couch it any way at all, you know, kind of a takeaway byline here, you know, we forgive because we were forgiven and we have no chance at it otherwise. If we can't recognize what happened for us on the cross 2,000 years ago in advance of our sin, then we have no chance in our relationships with others because they will let us down. They capital will let us down. Anybody would crumble underneath that pressure if we put them on a pedestal. And so forgiveness, and especially future forgiveness, advanced forgiveness, if you will, forgiving forward, you, know, you hear lots of different variations, is an absolute necessity and is in complete response to the cross. So... Um, I, I want to jump right back in. You know, we kind of ended last month with, uh, you know, how are you going to show your wife how sorry you are? And uh, kind of spoiler alert for later, I'm going to give a little, you know, small tool there at the end where we can really work through some of that. But one thing we didn't get a chance to cover fully was how do you ask your wife for forgiveness? How do you ask people for forgiveness where you are the perp? You know, you are the one that has produced the pain in this relationship. And, you know, Scott, I'm going to come to you first in just a second. So I'll give you a heads up here because we'll dump it in your lap. But I mean, you, you see this constantly in our, in our biblical stories. We see it over and over again. And, and I think that we see a great example in a lot of places of where people have been able to come to Christ regarding forgiveness. Uh, I, I just want to talk about these interpersonal pieces with forgiveness, kind of the horizontal part of forgiveness. How do we broach that? How do we ask for forgiveness? Scott, what are your thoughts here? Man, so I don't know. I think a lot of men are more afraid of their wives than they are of God. And that's that's a sticking point. You know, I, I, I can't come forward and I can't talk to my wife. God already knows, but I, we, we have a tendency to hide it and work at it. And that's what takes captivity. I was, I was thinking about the, um, um, you know, the unforgiving or, or it's maybe an unmerciful servant, you know, where he was forgiven much, but he wasn't able to forgive someone just a little. And it talks about that it, it took control of uh, the wife, the children, it took care, it took control of everything. So when, when my heart is, is taken captive, um, you know, and, and, it's, and it's stuck in sin, I, I can't forgive others. 
So I think coming forward and even asking my wife, you know, in humility and, and sincerity, men, men are more apt to get caught than to, to come forward and ask for help. And so the caught part is, is usually there already. So the wife is already wounded. She knows what's, what's going down or she knows a sense of it. There's intuition. Because if he's taken captive, she's taken captive too, because we're connected. You know, we're one, we're one in spirit, we're one in flesh, you know, our emotions. What wives aren't stupid. They know, they know what's going on in, in our lives. Um, they may not know the particulars, but how do you come forward? Sincerity, you, you gotta be real and you gotta be forgiven from God first before you can even move into that realm, I believe. And it's knowing who's who's taking captive of my heart. And it, and it better be Christ, it better be God, rather than the sin, the shame, the bitterness. I don't know, I probably wrote it down somewhere. You know, the regret. Boy, dot, living a life of regret is a terrible place to be. And, and she's going to know, you know, when you're walking in recovery, um, there's, I forget who talks about it. Maybe it's, um, I don't know, Doug Weiss or something, you know, about the, the smell. There's a certain smell that a, a man has, you know, and there's a scripture too that talks about the stench of death and the stench of, uh, not the stench of life, but you know, the fragrance of life. And so she's going to know if you're walking. So walking in recovery, that needs to be first forgiven by God. I think you guys talked about that maybe last time too. And if you're not walking in humility and sincerity, you're not going to be able to ask that, um, to reach out for it. I don't know. That's a start anyways. Oh man, Micah, <laughs> pile on here, man. You, you know, you, you said something, Scott, that, that really sparked a, a vision for me, and it's that men usually get caught. You know, if, if I'm an addict, if it's, if it's drugs, if it's drinking, if it's sex, whatever, if I hit my own rock bottom, then I'm already at a point where I know what I need, that I have to make a change. But if I get caught, that means I haven't got there yet. I, I think that a lot of times, I know that for myself, you know, I got caught, and that's what sparked the change. But getting caught is not contrition, right? Getting caught is not me coming to an awareness that I've got a problem. To your point, my wife is, is frightening in comparison to a God that I can't see and that I can choose to act like isn't there if I so, so feel, you know? So what do I do when I get caught? I just want it to go away. We start throwing out the, the no, no, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. The problem with that is we don't even know what we've done. We haven't grasped it yet. We haven't really understood the gravity of what we've caused. We don't know why we're acting the way we're acting. And we're quick to throw out those initial apologies because we just, we just know we broke something and we want to fix it. And, and so, you know, we absolutely have to first understand what have I done? What have I act, actually created here? And what situation am I in? to get to that point of sincerity, because as, as you said, sincerity and humility are key to the, to the, to the, the request for forgiveness. You know, we have to remove ourselves from the situation. We come at it a lot of times as humans and especially as men, I need you to forgive me. In these moments, our needs are the last things we should be worried about, but that's where we start a lot of times, you know? So we really got to recognize that remove yourself understand what we've done and come to those terms with that. And sometimes that means taking some time. You know, I, I think that as men, we rush into it. We want to, we want to get that apology quick. I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. Let's move forward. And what ends up happening is then once we actually realize what we've done, 
well, we realized we didn't really apologize and we realized we didn't really ask for forgiveness. And so now we got to do it all over again. You know, so throwing out, throwing a lot of little, a little first world experience. If you get caught, if you find yourself in that position, try to understand what you've done because a, an, an insincere apology or an incomplete apology is going to come back to haunt you. And you're going to repeat the process. You're going to go around that mountain a couple of times. Um, and then you talked about being forgiven by the Lord. We have to be forgiven first. You know, now, obviously, we, we understand that forgiveness from Jesus is immediate. He holds no grudges. He, he bears no ill will. But do we accept that forgiveness? And most of the time when we don't, you know, so it, it's a matter of have we have we accepted the forgiveness that's given to us? Because if I haven't accepted that forgiveness, I certainly can't receive it from my wife. If I'm not accepting what Jesus is offering me, what can I receive from my wife or from any other person? Because that's where that shame is going to build. And that's where we're going to get stuck in that 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 belief that this is just who we are. I like recognizing the brokenness too. I don't know if sincere is if that's a re, or um, the definition is without wax. I, I might be just making this up, but it sounds good anyways. And so you have a pot that's put that's broken and put back together with wax. And as soon as the heat comes, what happens to those pieces? Hey, they just fall apart. You can't boil water in a broken pot, you know. Um, and so if we recognize that we are broken, you know, incredibly broken, and if we just think we can put ourselves together, you know, in a haphazard way and go through life, no, you got to recognize your brokenness. Like you said, you need for forgiveness, you know, come to the father. There was um, a song I listened to this morning. It was Ben Fuller. It's like who I am, you know, in the eyes of the father. And he talks about, you know, no stone unturned. So, I mean, we start going in, we start looking and it's like layer upon layer upon brokenness. And, I, and it's like, are you kidding me? I just went through that. Now I'm going to go deeper. And so, you know, I think our spouses are going to see that. Yeah, we recognize the brokenness. There's, there's uh, you know, correct responses to that, you know, rather than the shame, the guilt, you know, that sword is pointing. Which way is your sword pointing? I don't know if that was Ted Roberts, maybe. And but if I'm defending myself rather than defending my bride and my kids, that, that's pointing in the wrong direction. Yeah, the level of, of brokenness that we don't even know exists speaks to how unprepared we really are to be involved in what we're involved in. You know, most of us, I was not prepared to be a husband. I wasn't prepared to be a father. And I say that with no victim mentality, but only that, that I had to recognize that. I had to come to terms with the fact that I didn't know what I was doing. I got myself into something that I had not prepared adequately for. And, and I ultimately I had myself to blame because I recognized the poor example I had growing up, but then I chose to follow it. Well, that's on me. But until I got to that point, you know, if I'm broken, I can't fix something else. If I see a leaky pipe and I'm a patch and I've got holes in myself, that patch is going to do no good to that leaky pipe. Mm -hmm. So we got, we got to repair ourselves and get to that point in order to truly be humble and sincere in that apology. Amen, guys. Uh, I want to call attention real quickly. It's the first time I've seen this. We have a gentleman here from Iran, and I, I'm stunned. You know, first off, that that we can find some you know so, some connection there. I think that's wonderful. And um, thank you so much for being uh, on the call. I, I sincerely appreciate it. I see I see Canada here as well, but. Guys, this goes right in line with the first step of kind of this little this little tool that I want to offer today. And that first step is count the cost. You know, when when you've been caught, 
you are not at a point of true ability to repent yet. Uh, when I got caught, you know, kind of red-handed in, in my case, um, I did not come home straight away. I was separated at the time. I was doing my own thing with whomever, whenever I wanted. And um, there was not a sense that I needed to go ahead and, and, and fix this. As a matter of fact, it, I, I used that. I used the, um, the initial exposure as an excuse to keep in my sin, to stay in my sin. And so it wasn't until a few months later when my wife was just exhibiting a ridiculous amount of grace and mercy and forgiveness that I thought to myself, we can actually work this out. You know, she can actually love me if she knows all about me. And only then are you in a position where you're capable of counting the costs. Counting the costs is pretty straightforward. Okay. My yuck cost you blah, this. You know, initially I would say start with a list of, you know, try to get 30 or 40. As you get 30 or 40, you're going to realize, oh my goodness, I should probably add a zero. There's so much more cost than you imagine. I'm talking about financial, you know, parental, marital, relational, you know, in-laws. There, there are so many costs for her, just for her. And as you get more advanced in your recovery, she will learn how to count the costs for you. Your sexual misconduct costs you. And it's just amazing when you can actually sit there and count the cost. So that's step one of that process. We'll revisit the other steps as we go through, but uh, we'll, we'll piece this together as we keep going. I, I think, guys, you know, kind of a short answer. If you're looking to figure out when to ask your wife for forgiveness, um, if you're thinking about that question, if there is a question, there is no question. Um, keep working initially meaning that it's not a right time to ask yet if you're saying like i wonder if it's a good time it's not it's not a good time you probably haven't exhibited the correct behaviors yet that shows there's a whole man change theory going on that god is changing you from the inside out in multiple parts of your life you know if you're thinking to yourself like i i need i need forgiveness before i can keep going just keep going just stay on the altar i mean we want to keep crawling off you know but god's not done with it yet, us yet you know he's the purification process takes a long time and it's not pretty. Amen. Amen. And forgiveness, guys, that's a process. It's a choice. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. She's going to have enough emotions and feelings and you know what to do with anyway. Okay. And forgiveness is not one of those emotions and feelings. True forgiveness for her is a choice that she has to make continuously. Okay. She can't go back and allow those emotions and feelings to, to, to smuggle her forgiveness for you from the foot of the cross. She has to continuously lay you there and the forgiveness that she's going to offer you. And so um, I like Drew, what Drew wrote in there too. He says, actions weigh more than words, you know? Yeah. 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 Let's yeah. not just talk about it. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, you know, re repentance, repentance means change of behavior, right? It doesn't mean I feel differently or I promise to never do it again. Repentance means I've now exhibited different behaviors for an extended period of time to make myself a new person. If you're not in that true repentance of changing behaviors, then what are you apologizing for? Because you're, you're, either, you're either still in it or you're sort of in a stagnation period of not doing anything. So, you know, to your point, Lamar, guys are asking, when do I do it? When do I, do it? I want to tell her now, change your behaviors. And, then, and there's, there's going to be a day and it might be a month from now, it might be a year from now. When you're going to look at her and your eyes are going to meet and you're going to know I'm now in a position to apologize. Yeah. 
And she'll know it as well because you'll you'll have exhibited those changes. And for that to stick. Yeah, yeah. What she's looking for, men, you know, there, there's a lot of anger out there. And most of the time that anger is associated, you know, as a secondary emotion. The, the initial emotion is fear. For her, it is, what if I do this again with this person that has already shattered me and it happens again? That's the big fear that drives some of that anger. And when you answer that question through your actions and through the way that you talk to her, through the way she sees you in the word, she sees you meeting with other men, she sees the way that you parent different, she sees the way you drive differently. You bunch of uh, a fellow recovering you know, maniacs on the road, because I, I are one, um, it, it changes everything when you get this right. So men, get it right. And if you if you got to ask how to get it right, you're in the right place. And there's a ton of guys here in the chat that are going to give you little tidbits to help you out through it. And if you're still looking for it, and you haven't been through Conquer series yet, you haven't been through Warpath yet, you haven't been through Stronger Together yet, there are a litany of available resources in all of those studies on the Soul Refiner website. We might have maybe two or three people in the audience, you know, here real time and live that, that, that may not have any kind of exposure to Soul Refiner. Um, these are the guys to connect with on the, in the chat, you know, during this live process to say, okay, wh where do I go? Where do I go for help? Which module of Warpath? You know, which study? Because um, the tools are out there. It's whether or not we're going to do it. And we're going to show the ladies through our actions instead of our words. So, all right, guys, I want to make a quick transition here to our wounds and, and kind of what led us down the old path for some of us. And look, I'm one of those guys, man, I've, I've got two great parents. I've never heard them cuss. I've never seen them drink. Uh, we went to Southern Baptist services all the time. Maybe that was a little bit of abuse, but still, I did not get that, um, that classical addict, you know, seminal event of some kind of physical or emotional or sexual abuse that springboarded me into a life of, of sexual addiction or sexual sin and stronghold. Most, most addicts have that. For me, it was a product of my own sin and, and it, it became something I just flat out couldn't stop. And so, but there are many of us in the audience here that there is something out there that kind of was a linchpin for us to, to get us where we were in terms of sexual misconduct. Okay, how do we forgive the, the perpetrators of those events? How do we forgive the people that inflicted that pain on us? And, you know, have you forgiven them? Are you capable of forgiving them? Um, Mike, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, I, I know you've been through a lot with a, a lot of different guys. And so what are some of the experiences you've seen? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'll, I, yeah, I have. I, I talked to a lot of guys. I try to try to give some guidance and support, but you know, really, I, I came from, from the background that you're talking about that you didn't come from, right? Genetic history of, of addiction on, on both sides, physical witness to my father's addiction and, and his betrayal of my mom, um, you know, lack of relationship with him, et cetera. And coming to terms with that for the, forever, I thought, no, no, I've got forgiveness. I, it makes sense because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to no longer let it bother me. I'm not going to feel bad about it. And you know, dad doesn't want anything to do with me, whatever, go live your life. I'm going to live mine. And I thought that was forgiveness, right? And, and we hear this model often, forgive and forget is what the world tells us. And even within our churches, we often hear, you know, don't live in the past and don't, don't let the past define you. And, and, and while I agree with that, I also understand the value of, of understanding the past, 
and of remembering where I came from and really tearing it apart to make sure that it makes sense to me so I can not repeat it and so I can share it with others. But I got to be honest, it, it wasn't until about two weeks ago I had a revelation on forgiveness. So this was after our call last month. And, and, I, and I still deal with forgiveness with other people. I've got friends that have hurt me. I've got family that I'm working on. I, I'm always going through things. And I'm, I'm thinking about forgiveness a couple of weeks ago, and it hits me. You know, this forgive and forget doesn't make any sense. Because if I no longer care, Scott, if you do something to harm me, and I say, hey, man, I forgive you. Now go live your life, and I'll no longer pay attention to it. That way, I'm, le- I'm giving you freedom. Well, if I'm not paying attention to you anymore, I haven't forgiven you. I've compartmentalized you. I've built a wall around my heart so that you can no longer affect me, right? But if we were once friends and that friendship has been broken, whether it's my fault or yours, it's still a loss for me. So I started thinking about forgiveness from the perspective of loss. If I lose a loved one, if I lose a child, if I lose uh, a friend, I don't ever forget that. I process it, but I always remember what I once had, right? The the guys out there, you've been divorced. It was your fault. It was her fault. It was nobody's fault. And you think you're supposed to forget about the past. And that's a struggle because that was part of you. And that's a loss. So I'm, I'm really trying to figure this out. And I'm reading Matthew 18. We referenced that earlier, you know, 70 times seven, just keep forgiving. And once again, we often translate that as, no, no, just let people hurt you and you just keep forgiving. Let them hurt you again and you keep forgiving. And that's not at all what we're talking about. I'm trying to understand how does Jesus forgive? Jesus forgives instantaneously, right? He holds no grudges. He says, I forgive you right away. But does Jesus ever say, now go live your life and I won't worry about it anymore? Absolutely not. If I walk away from Jesus right now, if I throw up my arms in the air and say, I want nothing more to do with you, he will grieve that loss through eternity. He will never forget what that relationship once was, and he will never let me go. We expect our wives to forgive and forget. Honey, I've apologized. I've changed. I've moved on. Why do you keep bringing this up? Because our wives remember what once was. Our wives remember what was supposed to be, and they're processing that loss. Because in our actions, something's been lost. We've taken something away that you can't recover and get back. And, and yet we expect it to just go away. But that's because that's how we forgive other people. You know, and especially in 2022, it's social media age. If I don't like you anymore, I just unfriend you. I just quit following you. I quit paying attention to your life. And I had to really check myself and say, no, those people who I no longer get along with, who no longer see eye to eye with, I still need to be involved with them. I need to know what's going on, not for personal selfish reasons, but because I need to be there to support them. I need to remember that that was a relationship that's been lost and that there's still value there and there's still something missing. I can't just run and hide from it. And I really think that's what we do too often with forgiveness is we talk it away. Don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Scott, what are your thoughts on this? You know, have, have you forgiven some of the people that have, have done things to you in your life? You know, what were some of the big barriers there? You know, how do we forgive the ones that, that have really pointed us in the wrong direction? 
Yeah, I, I like the thought about you can't ignore it. You can try to, you can try to forget it. You can try to push it away, but it just goes deeper and deeper. And the past has a way of clawing its way to the future or the present, yeah. you know? And I like to say drama is trauma without a voice. So when I'm, I'm acting out or there's something going on, there's some trauma in there that wants out. It wants a voice, you know? And then, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking at uh, maybe Luke 7, you know, 47, you know, the woman who was forgiven much, she came in there, she was crying. You know, Jesus says, you know, hey, I came into your house. No one even washed my feet, you know, and here's this gal that, you know, he's forgiven much, you know, and she's crying and washing his feet with her tears and then perfuming and then drying it with her hair. You know, um, that's some pretty great love. You know, if, if we're forgiven, we're going to be able to love through that trauma and that drama that's in our life. So let me just, I guess I'll peel it back and we'll, we'll look at this one. I was 19 years old, just joined the Navy, got picked up. I was a drunk at a bar, got picked up. Guy said, I'll give you a ride home. He says, I got some more beer at my place, blah, blah, blah. Goes back to no beer. We smoked some black tar. Says he's going to be a doctor, you know, wants to play doctor. I said, no, this isn't cool. He says, take one more hit. And I took another hit of this black tar and that was it, man. I woke up in bed with this guy naked, you know, and I blamed myself. 37 years I held this one, you know, tight, close, don't let it go. And it was trying to claw its way to the future. And, and some of it was acting out, you know, trying to um, still that pain or quench it. We can stop bleeding by putting dirt in a wound, but it, that's not the best way to do it. You know, that's just gonna cause more infection and more pain and more loss. And then the one that we love, you know, that we're with, she experiences that same calamity that, that we're going through. So once I brought it forward, I needed some help. Uh, Wounded Warrior Project helped me. I went through, I think it was a 27 day um, intensive outpatient program um, in Chicago at, uh, it's called the Road Home. And uh, cognitive uh, process therapy. I blame myself for getting in the car. I blame myself for going to his place. I blame myself for um, smoking the, the black tar. You know, it was, I blame myself. And I realized, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You know, I got to forgive myself for what I did do, but I wasn't the one that sexually assaulted me, that, you know, raped me, you know, and, and so I had to figure out what was going on. And then, yeah, forgive him, myself. Um, and that was all a process. And then you clear that away. Now you have a capacity, you know, a bigger capacity to love. So I think once you get rid of that manure, you know, uh, brokenness is a bridge, not a barrier. We, a lot of times we think that brokenness, you know, invalidates us or disqualifies us. We look at our identity saying, you know, I'm a piece of earth something. I, 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 I didn't get there, but you know what I mean? You know, and, and then we realize, wait a second. No, I'm a child of God, you know, of the most high God, you know, and he loves me and forgives me. And then I have a capacity, you know, that forgiveness pressed down, shaken together and overflowing into my lap that I'm able to share with my spouse. I guess, let me throw one more thing out there. This was a lot to kind of drink it from a fire hose, but, um, I brought into my marriage an idea of sexuality. You know, my wife is not a porn star. My wife is not a prostitute. She didn't do any of those things. And I was expecting her to perform 
you know, things that, uh, you know, anyways, you know that, and that's, that's fertile ground there. And I realized, wow, I was expecting something out of my wife and I was holding a resentment that she wasn't my fantasy girl, you know? Um, so that bitterness was there for me too. And so I got to get all that stuff layer upon layer upon layer, you know, and, and we're still growing. And someone said, you know, when do you get to the middle of the onion? That was back a little further. I think when we get to see each other face to face, um, you know, in a kingdom where we're forgiven, where there's no more tears, no more sadness. I think that's the center of the onion. But until we get there, we don't have to work alone. There's others there. There's programs. There's treatment. Yeah. Ask for help, gentlemen. My goodness, man. Thank you so much, Scott. And, and I'm seeing it roll in here now about the transparency. And because I guarantee you there's a man in this audience today, and I guarantee there's going to be men in the future as they watch these recordings that's going to think to themselves, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't, you don't know what I did. And first off, if you've got that air of superiority about you, if you're watching this right now and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but I would never do that, man, I got bad news for you. You just haven't done that yet. Or if you have that air of, yeah, but they don't know what I've done, then I want to introduce you to an identity in Christ. And maybe that's a whole different conversation. Maybe, maybe we need to have, instead of a recovery conversation, we got to have an evangelical conversation. I'm going to drop my, my email address in there a little bit later, man. I'll talk to you till the cows come home in either vein. And so I just want to encourage you. You're in the right spot. You're in the right spot. Our stories are probably 90, 90 to 95% similar for all of us here. And everybody has their unique cut on it. So you are not judged. I say that to Scott. I say that to every single brother here. Um, there's the email address. Again, whatever that conversation looks like, we are here for it. And so, and if you want to talk to one of the, the, the panel members, you know, I, I, can, I can make that conversation happen too. So guys, this brings us kind of to our next step here in this process. If we as men can't forgive the ones that have hurt us along the way, we have no chance to receive our wives' forgiveness, and we really have a, a misunderstanding of what our Holy, Holy Father did for us at Calvary 2,000 years ago. And, and we really need to consider, all right, do, do I fully understand what that meant? Because it was for us in advance. Remember, we serve an atemporal God. He is not bound by our human timeline. He is above it. He is above the universe. He saw us 2,000 years earlier. Even our sin, what we were going to do, was in the room with us, and he still went to the cross. He still paid it in full for us. So it is such an incredibly circular conversation. I love the onion analogy. You know, when you know you're at the middle of the onion, when you know you got to get the other half choked down too. And, I, and it just it, it's such a beautiful thing because you recognize that I never want to quit eating onion at that point. I never want to quit thinking about what a wonderful God I have because I finally recognized just how depraved I was. So uh, I, I think it's glorious, man. Um, it, it goes really nicely with our next step. Um, and, and, I, and I insert it here because it's such a great piece. We're talking about how do we forgive the ones that have hurt us? You know, part of that is we have to understand the triggers and reminders that we get so we can then in turn talk about the triggers and reminders that we have inflicted on the ones that we love. 
So the women that are, are so graceful and merciful and forgiving for us, we need to recognize their triggers and reminders. And so that's step two. The first step was we got to count the costs. The next step is what are the triggers and reminders for them about what we did, how much it hurt them. And listen, some people like to do it, okay, a 24-hour period. What is anything that could trigger or remind my, my significant other about what happened? Some people like to think about any trigger and reminder. Again, start with 30 or 40. You'll find you're going to probably write 100, 200, 300. It's just the way it goes because you start recognizing, oh, my goodness. And then you want to start doing things about it. You know, you know, that's kind of the next step. We'll talk more about that in a second. So <coughs> the next piece I want to talk about is how can your wife forgive you if you can't forgive yourself? And this is where many of us land. Maybe we've done the forgiveness work for the people that have hurt us. Maybe we're on the, you know, well on the path of our wives forgiving us. And, and as we, you know, recover into that second redeemed marriage, but how are we going to forgive ourselves? It's the hardest person to forgive. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of it. Too many of us think like, yeah, yeah, I hear foot of the cross. I hear he, he you know, paid in full. I hear that. But listen, what I did, that requires a little bit of extra something. And some guys can't figure out that they don't have to do anything different. They just have to learn how to accept. And so, Scott, I want, I want to come to you first on this one. You know, how do we expect our wives to forgive us when we can't even forgive ourselves? Yeah, I guess it goes back to that. Um, I don't know. There's a, oh, I don't know where it is. Um, or the uh, unforgiven servant. You know, he was forgiven much. So I'm, I'm, I'm still. It's spinning around. It hasn't landed yet. Um, but how can I forgive someone if I haven't forgiven myself? Well, you can't. It, that's that's it. It's period. You can't do it. Um, you can fake it. But that's that's not going to get you there. I don't know. God help me to to say something um, something true. So I, I guess God looked down. He saw a man, and he said, "Oh, pity the fool. You know, he's not going to make it. I need to make a helpmate for him. You know. So you're in this fight together. You're not fighting alone. Um, you know, there. You you need each other." But when she looks at your face, that's a trigger because you're the one that's wounded her. So, I mean, there can be all these other things, but just your presence alone um, is, is, a, is a trigger. So how do you change that? I, I, I don't know. This is, you, you, I don't know if there's any other answer than, yeah, no, you have to forgive yourself. And that takes time. It takes working through the, the thing, the big T, the little T, the 10 worst things in your life. You know, and then you, you brush those away and then there's more that will come to the surface. You know, and then there's just the daily things too that you do wrong. Um, take the trash out, don't replace the bag. You know, there's um, there's little things that will add up, but no, there's there's no way around it unless you, you have to forgive yourself and accept God's forgiveness in your life too before you're able to, you know, move forward. I don't even know what the question was, Lamar. <laughs> yeah, you, you nailed it there at the end, man. Okay. I mean, it, it, you know, you took a circuitous route, but hey, yeah, I, yeah, I, thought yeah. you, I thought you blazed away at it. You know, how, how are you going to forgive yourself? And Mike, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well. You know, I mean, I, th I think we're, we're really wrapping around that, that whole concept. You, you can't do it. I'm, I'm with Scott on that. If I don't forgive me, I can't forgive others. 
if I don't love myself, I can't love somebody else. Like no one can give something they don't have, mm. you know, that's just the way it is. And, you know, if you really want to get into how this works, right, we're supposed to be a conduit or a conduit for the Holy Spirit to flow through us. That's love. That's compassion. That's understanding. That's peace. That's patience. But it has to flow through, you know, that means I've got to be open to it. And forgiving myself means accepting who I am and then becoming who I'm supposed to be. If I don't accept who I am currently and then get back into that conversation of, look, man, I, I wasn't prepared adequately. I didn't have training for this situation I'm in. I let my ego get in the way and I made some choices. Now I have to accept that. But yeah, I, I can't expect something that I'm not giving. And I, and I know that for me, you know, I got caught. Um, you know, also red-handed, both hands bright red, lots of consequences to pay, huge list of, of, of how did this affect everything. The dominoes fall all over the place. And, and so that pendulum had swung all the way to one side. And I was, I was the one pushing it. I swung it as hard as I could and it went all the way over. The, the, the course correct, the, the standard practice is to overcorrect. <laughs> so the pendulum swung all the way to the opposite direction. And I had to begin overcompensating. You know, you, you hit it with, when talking about the triggers, talking about how do we how do we avoid certain things. What I well, the reason I found such value in identifying those triggers and in knowing what was going to set my wife off, what was going to remind her before she was ready, was that that forced me to recognize what I had done, and that forced me to go through that process in order to get that forgiveness because I had to I had to process each one of those steps. Because every time I thought of a trigger, and triggers are small, man. Triggers are, are a street name. Triggers are a part of town. Triggers are a TV show. Triggers are things that we don't even recognize are triggers. And I had to realize at each one, each, at each trigger identified, that's something else I have to forgive myself for. And so there's such value in taking that inventory and going through each of those pieces so that I can identify it. And not until I've identified it can I help her identify it. And that identification is part of that forgiveness process. It's recognition of what I've done. It's understanding of how I got there. And then it's that repentance part of changing that behavior. If I'm not doing that, she, she can't forgive me. I'm not allowing her to forgive me because I'm saying, basically the message I'm sending is I'm not worthy of your forgiveness. I'm not even willing to forgive myself. Why would you forgive me? In fact, I won't let you forgive me. I'm going to make sure you hold this over me because that's how I see myself. Yeah. Amen. What a fundamental misunderstanding of the identity in the gospel. Um, I really want to call attention to a comment that was just made in the chat and it's in part of our Q and a, I want to thank George for bringing this up. When we don't forgive ourselves, like you said, there, there's the fallout of her not being able to fully forgive us. So we can't feel forgiven if we can't do it to ourselves. But that's also that sense of pride that we have in ourselves. And the pride basically says, I need to do something, me personally need to do something about this because I don't recognize that Christ already paid it all. And it really you know, gets us into that lack of humility space. Um, you know, I, I love C.S. Lewis's you know, notion of humility. It's not, it's not thinking less of yourself. You don't have to you know, kind of beat yourself with a shillelagh constantly on the back to remind that you're you know, a piece of garbage. It's just thinking less of yourself or thinking of, you know, thinking of yourself less, I should say. It's, it's thinking of others more than you. 
Yeah. And so um, that, that's that one definition. But humble and, and true humility means that, that you're not looking at situations where how can I gain and glean some glory here? It's saying I want to glorify God and not me, and I want to honor the people that I love. Um, that's, that's where we're headed in that. And whenever we maintain that pride that we can't forgive ourselves, that nah, but you don't know what I did, that, that's, that, that's still holding on to something, to saying, God, you, you can't have it all. And so, yeah, self-esteem versus God esteem. I love that conversation. Uh, I don't know where that originated, but please, de- definitely, you know, men, look that up. Self-esteem versus God esteem. It's, it's a, a widely understood, uh, I know it's a Christian psychological piece. Um, I wholly subscribe to it. It's because we're focused on us and not Christ. And we cannot understand in that, in that arena, we cannot understand what he did for us uh, because of the self-focus. So it kind of leads me to step three of this whole process. So we talked about step one, that's counting the cost. Um, that's with her, by the way. That's not just for you to do on your own because she's going to give you a whole lot more cost. She's going to help you in that conversation. So accept her help, be humble in her help. Step two is triggers and reminders. You know, you're going to start that conversation with her and she's going to add a whole bunch of extra ones again, because you can't recognize you're a man. You're not equipped, you know, initially, exactly as you knock on your wooden head. So you guys might not be able to see Scott right now because typically we do speaker only, you know, it's coming up on the screen, but he's, he's, he's cracking his, his, his skull there with his knuckle. So it's too funny. And so let her help you with the cost and the triggers. And then step three, she's going to give you some help too, but this is going to be over to you more than anything. This is an acknowledgement and an assessment of her emotions and feelings through this. Meaning as you look at it through her lens, and when I say acknowledgement and assessment, some people are going to throw in their validation. Hey, that's fine. Okay, that's okay. I don't mind that. But that does not say that you agree and that you think it's true. Because the the last part of step three is, and then we bounce all that off the truth of the scripture and what Christ did on the cross for us. Remember, the scripture leads us to the word. The scripture is just that. Okay, it's stuff that's printed on paper. And listen, I, 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 the Holy Bible, I am a, a huge believer in the inerrant, infallible word of God. But that is not what we worship. We worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, the Bible points us to him. And that, that's just a point of clarification. So, yes, we learn scripture because it points us to him. But until we get that understanding of him as the great healer, then we just don't have a chance. And so as we assess, acknowledge, validate the feelings and emotions that are all tied up here, we, we bounce that off the truth. Okay. Now, that truth sometimes is, is really going to hurt, and it might even hurt the ones that we love. So don't use the truth as a weapon. When you weaponize something, you've already lost you know, if you're, if you're trying to think about your argument and why it's right, you've lost. I don't care if you are right. I don't care if you walk out and you say, man, that's a pretty blue sky. And she says, what are you talking about? That's, that's neon green sky. Listen, she's not the problem. She is just exposing the problem in you. So, so figure that part out. Okay. How do you do this lovingly? So, so those are kind of the three steps that I really want to talk about. We kind of got to them all throughout the day. Um, I'm seeing these Q and A's roll in now. And I love them. Please use the q and I'll try and monitor the chat as much as possible. We love to hear what some of the men are thinking about. Um, the last topic that we're going to cover kind of formally before we you know, delve into, into the Q&A portion. Um, men that have been in recovery a long time recognize there's an inflection point. 
Okay. You get caught. You eventually disclose. You transfer a, a huge dump of yuck onto her head. She feels that for the first time while you feel free. And then as she recovers, she's feeling probably a lot of anger, unforgiveness, fear, uh, inferiority, you know, little T and big T trauma, uh, guilt. She starts to feel that. And the way that you in turn relieve her of that is by making yourself available to her constantly to talk about, okay, to be able to relay back. So you are going to eventually have to offer some forgiveness to her. Because what happens is you, your response to the gospel will demand her response. Much like in the beginning part of recovery, as she says, yes, there's a chance for us to recover, her response to forgiveness demanded your response. And so it's, it's, it's a beautifully cyclic, you know, constantly evolving, it's kind of a self-licking ice cream cone where you're both sanctifying each other. And your response is positively to the gospel demands the other person's response. So the way that you get her to a point where she can truly continue to forgive you is that you're available to it. And that's going to hurt sometimes. She's going to say some things sometimes. And so how do you keep from harboring unforgiveness toward her in this process? Because you're going to recognize, oh, my goodness, she's, she's flawed just like me. She didn't do the same sin as me. She's certainly not deserving of any kind of, you know, label and i know some guys aren't comfortable with sex addicts so hey sexual misconduct sexual sin sexual stronghold but we're all sinners and so there will become a time where you're gonna need to forgive your significant other here so how do we do that man how do we find the moral high ground to forgive the person that we crushed so scott what do you think on this one okay um yeah, owning and embracing, you know, and, and learning empathy. So when we're caught in our own sin, you know, and unforgiveness, we, we don't, we can't find empathy and compassion. Something going on in the brain, I don't know, Delta Foss B. I know that I like the chalkboard guy um, that talks about it. Oh, I can't think of his name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but but yeah, le learning how to do that, you, you have to own and embrace, <clears throat> you know, even the, the pain that's there, I don't know. My, my wife would ask me, you know, do you want a sexual release or do you want to be intimate with me? And I was trying to be honest. And I said, I just want to go to sleep, you know, and I can't sleep. And she said, no, go be intimate with God. And it was like, ah, I can't have sex with God. You know, I, I want to have sex, you know, and then rolling over and just being kind of in pain and uh, fetal position, you know, and chewing on the headboard you know, there's, there's, it's difficult, you know, and I mean, she's maybe not ready for the, you know, sexual intimacy, but what, what have we done with the physical, the emotional, the spiritual, you know, the, the relational, um, social, how we interact with others, you know, if we're not close, if I'm not intimate and I don't even know how to be intimate with God, how can I be intimate with my wife? So what's in the way? What's clogging that up? I, I think I liked, you know, what Micah said about the, the conduit. You know, if I'm emotionally constipated and I can't feel <clears throat> and I can't give empathy, you know, there's it, God's spirit's not going to flow through me. I mean, I've quenched. I've grieved the spirit. We, we need each other. I need God. Um, man, now I lost the question again, but it's but refresh, refresh. <laughs> Essentially... Yeah, 
Yeah, essentially the question is, you know, how are we going to be able to get to a point where we feel like we can forgive her? So. Yeah, you got you to experience the pain. You know, you feel it, you embrace it. Don't ignore it. Don't uh, <laughs> reject it. That's, that's part of being human, you know, is being able to hurt and cry and, and feel sad. And that's going to make you um, capable of experiencing what she's going through, too. I used to just think my, my wife, I was afraid of her because she was really strong and I feared her more than God. And I, I think I've realized that when I see her cry, that crushes me even more, you know, than, you know, thinking that she's, she's, she's strong or she's tougher than me. It's, I did not want to see that sadness. I didn't want to see that pain. I didn't want to take ownership of what I did to wound her so deeply year after year, you know, week after week, day after day, you know, it's a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of bags of manure, but it can become very fertile, very fertile and grow a, a crop 60, 30, 60, 100 fold. It can bless your marriage incredibly. Amen. Thanks, yeah. Scott. Micah, what, what are your thoughts on this one, man? How are you, Kayla, have gone through this? So, you know, Scott, you, you use one of my favorite words when we talk about emotional trauma and dealing with, with, with anything of this sort. That's embrace. And I, and I use the word embrace. If, if somebody says, man, my dad just died, what do I do? I said, you embrace it. You know, my cat ran away. What do I do? You embrace it. Uh, my, kid, my kid's into drugs. What do you do? I said, you embrace it. And I think as men, as the betrayers and, and you know, the, really the destroyers of what was meant to be great, when our wives come back with those emotions, those feelings, when they lash out, we have to embrace it. When I say embrace, I'm not talking about wrapping your arms around it and you squeeze it and you hold it close and you don't let it go until there's nothing left inside of it. You get every bit of that experience out of that situation. When I'm embracing a person, I, I hug a lot of people, throw an arm around, give them a quick hug. But when I embrace you, I don't let go until I know that the love I'm trying to share has been passed over. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a squeeze. It's a hold on to some tears come out of the eyes, you know, and we have to do that with the emotions, but not just the ones that feel good. We got to embrace the negative because to your point, Lamar, we just unloaded this entire mess onto somebody else. It was never meant to feel that way. Never meant to understand that. Most of the time, our wives are, are pretty naive in comparison, comparison to what us men know and do and think. And we've just introduced them to a world that they never should be exposed to. When they come back with anger, confusion, frustration, sadness, embrace it. We got a saying around my part that the opposite of love is self. Anything that points at self is not love. When my wife gets mad at me for something I did 27 years ago, if I say, how are you still mad at me? It's not fair that you're mad at me. You shouldn't take that out on me. Where's that pointing? That's all at me. That's all concerned with me. I did it. I own it. If she's willing to be mad and manifest that feeling, even if it's the wrong feeling, even if she's out of line, if she's willing to share that with me, I got to embrace it. I got to be thankful and grateful that she's sharing that and showing that 
as opposed to hiding it. Because now that's a, that, that tells me, hey, here's something else I get to work on together. And thank, thank you, Jesus, that you're allowing restoration to continue. Because she could certainly just suppress it. She could have walked away a long time ago. It, it could have been over and I wouldn't even have the chance. So absolutely, Scott, you embrace it. The wife lashes out, embrace it. Be thankful that you have a wife sitting next to you. Be, be grateful that she's still around. You know, that's awesome. And too, too many times in recovery, you know, I, I hear from men that, yeah, but it, it, it's so hard to sit there and to talk about it with her. It's just so difficult. And I'm thinking, I know yep. that's the beautiful part about it. And the more you do it, the more you recognize the intimacy that can build between you that you never would have had a chance in the rest of your life to experience. So, you know, we talk about redeemed marriage and Christ making something beautiful out of something so broken. This is it. This is the chance. You know, whatever it is that, that you're not necessarily interested in doing, if you may be thinking to yourself, it's not fair. Hey, man, I got bad news. In, in Scott's parts of the woods and maybe in Micah's too, the fair comes in September, October. In my part of the woods, the fair comes in February. Life ain't fair, especially in recovery. You know, the fair should have come 2,000 years ago, the first time Christ walked in the temple. He should have looked around and said, man, y'all are really messed up. I'll see y'all in hell. I'm going back to my father. That's fair. Okay. Mm -hmm. So whenever we have that notion, and you do trust me, man, I know you do. You may have taught your kids all along that life's not fair. But in your mind, you know, I know in my head, it happens a lot. Man, that's not fair. She's fighting dirty. Look, man, <laughs> the, the, the fair is, is, is not what happened on the cross. Okay. Because fair means that I should not have her and I should be in hell. So, Scott, you got something, man. I see you. Yeah. So, you know, like like uh, we're supposed to love our brides, our wives, you know, like Christ loves the church. And then I was just thinking about, you know, Christ's passion, you know, from the, the rock of agony, you know, in the garden. Just, you know, please take this cup from me. I don't. Is there any other way? You know, and I think he maybe asked two three times, you know, and they said, OK, you know, your will be done. And so entering into that, knowing that this is going to be ugly, it's going to be painful, there's scourging, but Christ took that for us. He didn't ignore that pain. I don't know. He didn't turn off the sensors in his head and his heart. Boy, oh boy, he experienced that excruciating pain. And, and then the rejection on the cross and, you know, the father turned his face away. Man, oh man, talk about abandonment and rejection. Those are real feelings. And our bride has felt that too, you know, and to go through and experience that and then to be the, um, the culprit, the one who poured that out on the one that I said I would love, honor, and cherish. Holy cow, you know, stand by, you know, big boy pants aren't going to be enough. You're going to need the Holy Spirit and, and Christ's love to go through this. That's why, you know, you're forgiven first. Because you can't pour out what, what you haven't been given. You can't pour out what you don't have. And I loved what you said there, too. So, yeah, man, oh, man, brace yourself. We used to go like this. We put down the bar. You put on the, the cross belt and let's go. We're, we're going to go for a ride here. And it's the click, 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 click. You see it coming, you know. But that's what we're here. We're here together, you know, to... Um, to change the world and our legacy. We start, we're going to start the legacy this Sunday and looking forward to it. You can't create healthy kids unless parents are healthy, guys. 
You know, yeah. you got to get. Anyways, I'm excited to, to go through this and change that trajectory that the adversary thought. You know, there's there's Genesis 50, 20, what, what uh, the world or, or you thought was to harm me was something that was going to um, bring great results from, right? I'd have to look it up, but it was, you know, that guy with the coat of many colors. <sighs> I, th I, th I think I'm hearing what you're laying down. Okay, you know, okay. He, he, he will take something that, that appears to be forever fractured, permanently broken, hmm. all of us, hmm. and he will make something beautiful of it. He will use that. Yeah. Capital will. Hmm. Now, I don't care if we're willing or not. He still will. <laughs> so I prefer to be on the willing side. Uh, brings us to our last question. Uh, and again, I think this is George that brought this up. He's talking about a guy in his one of his groups that is super sad all the time. He's sad because he's separated. He's sad because of what he did. He's sad because of the fallout. Um, you know, he's asking kind of when is it appropriate to kind of move out of that season of sadness into some redeemed joy, some restored, I guess, relationship and um, I'm going to launch into this one really quickly because we're a little over time already. Um, I do want to make a, before I answer, I do want to make a shameless plug. Uh, we're going to have mentioned all four of the series at this point. So thank you, Scott. That was awesome. Legacy is our parenting series. Um, I'll give you guys just a quick little sneak peek on it. It just says, hey, you really want to be a great parent? Love Jesus. Love Jesus yourself. That's the only snowball's chance you have in that Hades. And so... And if, and if you've ever parented a kid, you know exactly what kind of Hades I'm talking about. Munchkins don't pop out saying, please, thank you, and you first. Okay, they say, me, mine, give me more. Um, so, George, to answer your question, this is where a man goes through the initial stages of sobriety and into the initial stages of recovery and recognizes that his, and I say his with a capital H, his grace is sufficient and his alone. When that man lets his wife off the hook for his continued recovery, and he decides that he will be in recovery regardless of her response, then she is also off the hook. And she's actually more free to forgive at that point anyway. And so I, I, I don't have much more to go on outside of that. So I'm going to turn this one over to Micah and Scott. Uh, again, the question is, how do, I, how do we help move a man out of that, that sadness that he's experiencing because of some of the fallout of what he did? Um, and the actual actions of what he did in, into some, some restoration and into some future joy. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's not a time frame. You know, there's not, a, there's, not a, there's not a checklist to say, all right, it's been three months, time to do, time to do step six. It, it, it's, every process is different for everyone. And, and again, that word process is real. You know, it, it takes however long it takes. Um, you know, we, we hear, I think we heard it from, from Chad or from Doug in, in the Cocker series. If you're, as long as you're struggling, you're still in the fight. So I, I think we really got to look at it. I look at it that way. If I'm, if I'm sad, if I'm, if I'm down, it means I'm engaged. It means I'm emotional and I'm feeling something and I got to dig into it and understand why. Um, you know, we, we, we connotate negative feelings with a negative situation or a negative state of being. And I don't think that's true. You're sad because you're recognizing that you've done something you shouldn't have done. I, I call that a victory in my book. We want it to be over. But then I tell, I tell your buddy in the group, that goes right back to pointing itself. He doesn't want to be sad anymore. It's not always our choice. I mean, we've done what we've done. We are where we are. Our, our option is to continue to move forward. 
you know, tell them to embrace the sadness, squeeze it, get all the juice out. When, the, when, it, when, when it's dried up, then you move on to the next piece of fruit. Amen. Scott, you get the last word here, man. I don't know. Yeah, embrace the suck, right? I mean, the, the pain that's there, you know, and, and ask for help. If he's, he's stuck, maybe there's, he needs some help. You know, start sharing that and, and find some gratitude. Gratitude is going to change the mind. You know, even be grateful for it. This guy got caught um, and he finally realized that he was grateful that his wife caught him because otherwise he would have gone deeper down the rabbit hole, you know, and then he thanked her for catching yep. him. And that was another part. But yeah, yep. um, don't give up. Don't give in. Keep fighting the fight. You know, that's it. Yeah. Our obedience has nothing at all to do with her response. And so I think that with that recognition, that enables a man to move out of that space of sadness and that we say that his grace is sufficient. And so, um, guys, I, I want to just pass one more little tidbit on. I put the, the, the three uh, points, um, kind of that little tool that you can use to, to get started. If, you, if you're having trouble with empathy, if you're having trouble with, you know, exhibiting uh, that you're, you're worthy of forgiveness, you know, it's just a starter tool. Again, count the cost. Um, take a look at triggers and reminders, and then really get down to the business of, of taking a look at those those emotions and feelings that she's experiencing behind that. All right. Um, but this last piece, I, I just want to remind you, um, in the end, your your words don't mean much because they probably said a lot of things that that were false, you know, going through this process, you know, before discovery or disclosure. So your actions mean everything. And really what your actions are, are going to wind up saying is they'll be directly um, relational to the amount of understanding you have of your, your wife's pain. And so being able to put yourself in a vulnerable position where you can actually feel that pain, that's true empathy. Empathy's not looking in the hole and saying like, man, it sucks down there. You know, empathy's crawling in that hole and making yourself feel some of that same pain. And it, that ain't easy. And for some of us, it requires us to go to a spot that we, we shut a box a long time ago on. Um, so be judicious in that. Seek other counsel. A, a great buddy of mine, his, name, his, his name's Rodney, and I'll, I'll call him out in a positive light every chance I get. He said, think about the three C's of recovery, Christ, community, and counseling. A lot of people can get their counseling through their community. Some people are going to need the one-on-one, -on -one, but everybody's got to have Christ as the overarching umbrella there. So be judicious with how you do this and be humble. Okay. If you're being, if you're chest thumping and saying like, look how much I've done in recovery, you've already lost. Okay. If you're chest thumping and saying, um, look how far I've come, you're still six feet from the ditch, brother. And so as you re reduce that, that pride, the humility takes over and you just say, I've got a temporary reprieve. I've got this one day to get this right. And it takes the next right decision. So an understanding that you're incapable of doing that and that God has to be inside you to make that happen. That's a great starting point. So, man, I'm going to pray us out. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you, Micah. Um, I'm so honored to share this screen with you guys. Uh, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for these men. Thank you for the lively chat discussion. Um, God, we praise you. We hold you up. Um, Lord, we recognize just how beautiful and wonderful you are. And once that starts to happen and we change from the inside out, we just can't get enough of it. And so, Lord, we want to get it all over the place. You know, we want to, we want to affect and infect positively the ones next to us. And so, God, you know, if anybody in, in the earshot of this conversation, in the earshot of this prayer, 
has a question about you, Lord, uh, just let me, let, me, let me push them right over the edge of that cliff in a good way, and they fall right into your arms. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, man. See y'all next time. Woo!